So I've been talking about walking with Jesus, and, and I, I kind of, you know, started with this idea because Easter is coming, and it's always good to kind of lead up to Easter with some good, you know, Jesus stories, right? You know, we need to get back into the New Testament. We need to talk about the life of Jesus because, you know, just a few weeks away, we're going to celebrate his death and his resurrection, and, and it's good to get to, to know him. And I thought, you know, I had this idea, what would it have been like to be one of his disciples, to actually walk with him, you know, that, that intimacy, you know, not just reading about stories about this man, but knowing him, you know, and it, and it brought me back to some stories as a kid. One of the things uh, that we used to do, it, it, uh, it wasn't something we did often, but it was definitely something that was very memorable to me. Uh, my, uh, after dinner, uh, we, would, uh, w- we would get up and we would sometimes go for walks, uh, as, you know, with, when I was living with my dad. And, you know, we would just, hey, after dinner, let's go, let's go for a walk. Uh, and, and it was such a great time. And this was before... Uh, smartphones, right? So I didn't have anything to keep me occupied. And, and uh, you know, I could have probably brought my Walkman, but I didn't bring my Walkman. For those uh, youth, that's a, a headset with like either like a, a Discman, a Walkman, a, you know, whatever. Yeah, you actually had to put something in something to listen. You know, you, it didn't drop from the air. Um, <laughs> But we would go on these walks, and, and you know, it's interesting, no matter how we were doing or, or how we maybe were even interacting with each other, uh, it, it just seemed like the load got lightened when we would walk around the neighborhood and, and, and just kind of talk, and conversation would start and, and, and things like that, and it was always such a, a, a sweet time, and, and, and uh, uh, my mom is here this morning, and I got my uh, cheering section right here in the front, as you can see. My mom and my uncle and my, my aunt and my uncle are visiting uh, this morning. But, uh, you know, one of my, probably my fondest memories uh, with my mom, it seemed, I always have all these memories, we were always in the car. I don't know where we were going, but we drove a lot. Uh, and, but I, I, my mom and I would always have this great time. Uh, half the time we were blaring the music to, you know, Kiss FM and, and you know, listening to whatever it was, you know, it was the 80s, whatever was on in the 80s. And my mom had a golden uh, Volvo, right? Uh, 80, early 80s, yeah, golden Volvo, right? So here we are running around in our Volvo. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, of course, just having all these great conversations. And I thought to myself, you know what? Isn't that the level of relationship and intimacy that we all want, you know? But it takes kind of breaking away from the norm and, 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 and being side by side with, with somebody, right? Being in close proximity. And this is what Jesus wants with you. This is the kind of relationship. Uh, God doesn't want to be just a Sunday morning God to you, right? God doesn't just want to be when life, uh, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, Right? When everything is going crazy, then you finally go, oh God, where are you? Right? You know what I mean? I, I, never, I never had to ask my parents, oh, where, where are you? Because they were always right there. They were always close. You know, they were always somewhere where I could get to them when, you know, I needed them. And that's because, you know, of the relationship. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants with you. He wants to be in your life every day. When you, when you, when you wake up, when you, when you go to work, or when you go to school, or you know, when you go about your day, and when you go home, and when you lie your head down, 
Jesus wants to literally be walking with you. He wants to be a part of everything. And whether it's the highs or the lows, he doesn't care. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be around my family through all situations, right? I want to celebrate the good days with them. And I want to be with them when, when tragedy strikes or, or when, you know, when something's wrong. I want to be around them and experience life with them on every single level. And that is exactly the relationship that Jesus wants with you. And do not be afraid to engage him and walk with him in that way. So we've been kind of going through these stories and I started with uh, um, Jesus' baptism because I, I felt like it was a very significant uh, and it was kind of the, the, the starting of his ministry. It's kind of when Jesus was, was announcing, you know, all right, it's time. It is time uh, to let the world know uh, that God loves them and that God is here and, and you know, that the good news was, was being presented. And then we went into uh, the tempting of Jesus. Jesus is taken uh, not long after his baptism. He's taken out into the wilderness. It actually says uh, specifically that the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted. And there was a reason for that because Jesus wanted to and needed to experience everything that we experience. See, God isn't some God that doesn't know what you're going through. In fact, he knows exactly what you're going through because Jesus himself was tempted. Jesus himself was taken literally to his physical breaking point. You can't go much longer than 40 days without eating and you'll die, right? You can't go much longer than that. And he literally pushed his physical body to this most vulnerable place. And Satan himself comes and he tempts him. But he does not give in to temptation. And again, that was very, very significant because here it is shown that, that Jesus is sinless and that he is holy. So, so his physical being, you know, is taken, is tempted, but he does not give in to it. So even though we have succumbed to temptation and even though we have sinned, he now can stand in our place, not only knowing what we've gone through, but conquering what has felt like has conquered us. Amen. So I, I found the next story and I, and I really felt like understanding the, the ministry of Jesus is so important. Understanding why he came to this earth, why he walked among us, why, you know, he interacted with us. And I wanted to go to the story where Jesus heals the paralyzed man in Luke 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 17, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, and I do have the, the scripture uh, for you to, uh, to follow along up on the, the TV screen. So Jesus heals a, a paralyzed man, and Jesus actually had come back uh, to his kind of home area. And it says in verse 17 of Luke 5, it says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from uh, every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some of the tiles. They, they started to remove the roof, take, tear it apart. And then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. That's a very significant verse right here. Seeing their faith, 
Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen an amazing thing today. First off, How could these religious people not see God standing right in front of them, especially when he was performing miracles? How could they not see that a man who was lame and then all of a sudden, you know, this is something that Satan cannot do. Satan does not have this kind of authority. And yet God standing in front of them, displaying his authority does a miracle in front of them and they still, they just blasphemy, blasphemy. And you know what? Sometimes we struggle with this same, this same doubt, right? This same, you know, God, you know, is this you? Are you? God, are you real? God, are you there? And here is Jesus displaying himself in front of, in front of especially these religious people. And because of their hardened hearts, they could not see God right in front of them. But Jesus, Jesus has the authority over sin. Jesus has the authority over sickness. God is the only one. There there was a statement in there that was correct. God is the only one that has authority over sin. God is the only one that has the authority over our brokenness, over this this decaying state of our lives that ever since Adam and Eve back in the garden disobeyed God and sin entered the world and and because of that sin, God had to separate because of his holiness. God had to separate himself from us, right? He had to separate himself from us because of our sin, But, but, but God had a plan that entire time God had a plan to pursue you to pursue you and provide a way back to him. This is the good news. This is what Jesus came to, uh, uh, to share with the world, that their sins were forgiven. I think uh, it's, in, it's also, uh, you know, I've heard whole sermons on the faith of these friends, right? The faith of the friends. It's interesting that this is one of the few times that Jesus doesn't turn to the actual person and said, it's your faith that has made you well. He actually says, because of your faith, friends, because of your faith, he forgives and he, and he heals this man on the mat. And, it's, and to me, that's a powerful statement because it shows how we as the church should be, right? This is how we at the, as the church should be, that we should rally around each other that sometimes it's not my faith that gets me along. Sometimes it's your faith that comes along to me and says, come on, Matthew, you've got this. Come on, Matthew, you can do this. God is with you, right? God, you know, is for you. God is not against you. And sometimes we need each other. I encourage you. 
I encourage you, you need people in your life like this paralyzed man had. You need, if you don't have them, then you pray right now and say, God, bring me these people because I need somebody that will pick me up when I am down, that when I am broken, when I am hurting, when I can't physically get up myself, that they will come and they will pick me up and they will bring me to Jesus. That is what the church is supposed to be. These four men, I'm assuming there was four because, you know, I would assume it would take four people to carry, you know, one corner of each mat of this guy. And I'm assuming, you know, that between the four of them that they were saying, we are going to get our friend to Jesus and we are going to do everything it takes. And even though we can't go in through the front door, we're going to dig a hole on the top of the roof. Do you have friends like that in your life? Do you have people like that in your life? I would encourage you, if you don't, or if you don't feel like you have enough, pray to God, ask him. I have prayed so many times for friends in my life, and every time I prayed, God has brought amazing, amazing people into my life. And let me tell you something. There are some amazing people, you know, in this room. And if you are looking for friends, there, there, there are some here. That kind of friend. The kind of friend that when you are down will pick you up. But I, I wanted to kind of focus really on the statement that Jesus makes when he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Why did he say this? Why did he say your sins are forgiven? Why didn't he just say, you know, be healed, right? Why didn't he just say stand up? Jesus says specifically your sins are forgiven for a reason. In verse 23. You see, forgiveness is offered to all who believe. The Greek word aphemi, I'm assuming that's how it's translated, I don't speak Greek, is translated forgiven, which means to leave or let go, to give up a debt, to send away from oneself. So so basically this is, uh, you know, in the position of God, We have a debt against God because of our sin. We owe, there is a penalty to pay. And the only penalty that can be paid for your sin is life. Right? Your life in the form of death. That is the only penalty that can be paid. So God, because it is against him, the offense is against him. He's the one that holds that debt, right? He's the only one that can let it go. He's the only one that can cast it away from himself. And because he is a holy God and he is a just God, it doesn't just wave it off like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and let that one go. No, Jesus paid the price for you, for me, stood in that place. Because God is holy, because he is righteous, Forgiveness means the putting away of sin in two ways. The law and justice are satisfied because Jesus paid the penalty that sin deserved. The sin can no longer be held against a believer. In a courtroom, right? In a courtroom, when, if there is an offense, there needs to be a penalty to that offense. You can't just, you know, wave it off. You can't just say, oh, that, you know, that didn't happen. Jesus came. He paid the penalty. It has been done. You are now counted as not guilty. 
and you are sent free. But here's the problem with us, right? Here's the problem. Satan keeps trying to remind you what you did. See, the guilt, here's the the second forgiveness means putting away of sin. The guilt caused by sin is removed and replaced with Christ's righteousness. Believers are so forgiven that in God's eyes, it is as if they had never sinned. I have a question. Do you carry a heavy burden of sin in your life? Do you, do, does it seem like every time things are going good that the enemy kind of reminds you, hey, do you remember who you were? Do you remember what you've done? Do you remember the thoughts that you've had? And you kind of seem to go back to a state before you were set free. But the, here's the thing. You're still set free. Why is it that we seem to take those chains and bind ourselves back up because we somehow feel unworthy of God's love? We, have, we somehow feel unworthy of this gift that has been given to us. And the truth is, is we are unworthy. But because God is holy, because God is love, because he is worthy, we need to walk in the freedom of guilt and shame. And I don't know what it is, why, and and by the way, I count myself in this category that I still seem to walk around with that heavy burden of guilt and shame in my life of this person that I used to be, or I sometimes I even still struggle with. Like, I'm going to go back, oh God, I better go back there. Oh my gosh, you know, I feel myself being pulled back in that direction. You are set free. You need to believe that you are forgiven. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day Christ Jesus comes for us. Amen? So how does spiritual healing take place? And this is where I'm going with this. Sometimes we get very caught up as Christians, and I myself do this, with physical healing. You know, Lord, why don't you heal this person? Lord, God, how come you're not, you know, why, you know, and I, and I, I kind of come to this place where I, I don't know why God just doesn't, you know, magically make, you know, everyone just feel better. And I've come to realize as a Christian, you know, uh, that, that God never promised, that Jesus never promised that we were going to just float on a cloud through life. Right, that he was going to somehow just buffer everything for us, and it was going to be like being on a, a fun ride at Disneyland the whole time. Right? He, in fact, he warns us. Jesus even warns us. I warn you that you are going to have trials in this life. That this world, you know, there's going to be trials in this world. But he says, "What? Fear not, for I have overcome the world." Fear not, for I have overcome the world. God is more concerned about your spiritual healing than he is about your physical healing. Because only through spiritual healing can physical healing come. Understand that, you know, why God is this one thing, you know, like Chuck was talking about, why do I have this pain in my foot? Why won't you take it away, Lord? The Lord says, I'm not really concerned about that, Chuck. Not very concerned about the pain in your foot because it's temporal. 
It will go away at some point. I'm more concerned about your eternity. I'm more concerned about the state of your spirit. And so that is why Jesus says your sins are forgiven you. He wanted to heal this man down to his core, not just his physical infirmity. So how can we find spiritual healing? How does spiritual healing take place? Well, first we need to confess our sins. James 5.14 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And you have, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I, I, I don't think he's just talking about, you know, the idea that, well, if you're sick, it's because you must have sinned. That's not what he's talking about. But he's, he's addressing, though, the deeper issue with man. He's addressing the spiritual. He's saying, look, it's way more important to be healed spiritually than it is physically. And once you find that spiritual healing, then you will be truly healed. Then you will be truly healed. Sometimes, you guys, as Christians, we're, we're so looking for God to manifest himself in the physical all the time, thinking that, well, you know, he, if, if he heals me, then he must love me. Or if he doesn't heal me, maybe he must, you know, must not love me. Or maybe there's something wrong. When God, I, don't, I believe he's saying, you guys are missing the point. I'm more concerned with your spiritual well-being because that is the eternal part of you. The Bible says that we will be given a new body. He's already promised you healing. He's already promised eternal healing. He's concerned about your spirit. He's concerned about your soul. So confession of sin, also forgiving others. Forgiving others, I believe, comes uh, along with that. Luke 6, 37, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. You see, there's, there's healing in, in forgiving others, right? There's a burden that's released when we forgive others, even though they have trespassed and sinned against us. I was with my, my uncle the other day. And he was telling me this story, and, and to be honest with you, as he, as he, was, as he was telling me the story, even I was getting uh, upset for what had happened. And uh, my, my aunt and uncle live up in, in Diamond Bar, and they had just purchased a brand new trailer. Brand new, hadn't even taken it out right, right? Yet. Hadn't even gone and, and, and taken it out on the road yet, and it was parked in their driveway. And they woke up one morning to it vandalized. Someone had literally come, they had filled mason jars, glass mason jars full of paint. And they took these glass jars and they chucked it against his trailer. Some uh, landed on the side and, and some even went through the window, broke the window and went inside. Completely damaging, causing thousands of dollars in damage. You would understand that my uncle was furious because he had felt violated he had felt like, who would do something like this? Well, come to find out, they actually found out who did it. 
And the, the who done it isn't important to the story, but they found out who did it. They knew. And it, they found out it was someone who kind of ha- had a beef, even though they had personally had done nothing, but this person was just trying to kind of scare them, you know, from doing something else. Once they had found out, they thought, oh man, we are just going to, you know, my uncle was telling me, and by the way, I'm, I'm getting frustrated and angry with him. Man, let's go get this guy, right? Where does, where does he live? Where, you know, where does this guy live? Let's go out there. Let's handle business. But my uncle said something that really just hit me so hard and it made me hope that this is my reaction to everything in life. My uncle said, you know, in that process of kind of physically being angry and physically wanting to, to you know, make this person pay for what they had done, he said he heard clearly the voice of the Lord tell him to forgive them. He said he was stopped in his tracks. He said that God had reminded him what he had been forgiven of. God had reminded him that he too was a sinner and that his sin was forgiven. And my uncle said in that moment, he forgave that man. And he said instantly he even felt this kind of this burden and this weight being lifted off of him. And then he said something that, that you know, it was even more powerful and poignant he said i forgave this man and i prayed for his salvation i prayed that through my forgiveness and releasing this person of what they had done to me that somehow this man would come to know the lord you see there is something healing that takes place when you do not harbor bitterness when you do not harbor anger when you do not harbor vengeance Because even the Bible says vengeance is mine. You really want to take care of this guy? God says, come to me. Because first of all, I know their heart. I know whether we can soften it and get them saved or whether or not they're hardened and we can bring down the full, you know, authority of not just the law, but God's authority on that person. You guys, there is healing spiritually when you forgive and when you let go that does not make what that person did right and that does not mean that you need to enter into a relationship with that person it just releases you from the burden right from this thing turning uh, you know your heart dark the third thing give jesus your burdens and specifically the burden of guilt and shame. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You see, we can take these things that are burdening us, and we can put them somewhere. Because they don't belong on us. 
I don't know if you understand what a, a yoke is. A, a yoke is what would have been put on a, a beast of, of burden. It would have been put on a, a, you know, like an ox or something like that. And, and they would have used it to plow the field. You know, and it is a very, uh, you know, you know, arduous, uh, a, a, you know, sometimes it needed a lot of strength to do. And, and so, you know, these yokes and, and a lot of the times there was usually two, right? You would see these, these two beasts and, and Jesus is saying, hey, come, come here. Come stand by me. Because I can plow this thing all by myself. And if you're right here, right next to me, I've got you. Cast all your cares upon me. Give me your burdens. And I feel like some of you are still carrying around the burden of guilt and shame. And you don't need to. Because Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, God does not look at you for who you were. God looks at you through who you have become because of what Jesus has done. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't see that sin anymore. He sees his son, and he sees us as holy. You need to not walk around with the guilt, with shame, with holding on to things that Jesus has completely paid the price for. That is where true healing takes place. That is where you will find rest for your soul. Do you hear what I am saying? God wants you healed and whole inside. In the part of you that is eternal. Because then through that physical healing and other things happen, take place in your life. God is not concerned with a stubbed toe because he can handle that. God is more concerned about your soul and the state of it. Will you guys bow your heads and just pray with me? What is burdening you this morning? What is weighing heavy upon you? What is it that you can give to Jesus? What yoke are you trying to pull all on your own that nobody is asking you to pull? In fact, if anything, Jesus is saying, come over here, stand next to me. Let me take your burdens from you. Let me plow this field for you. Let me do the heavy lifting. You can stand right next to me. You can walk with me. You can have an intimate relationship with me free of guilt and shame. Free of sin and bondage of sin. Free of sickness and of pain. For I will give you rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. I just want to take a moment 
just to kind of sit in the presence of God. I'm going to ask my prayer team if they would get, be ready. give you that opportunity whether it's just simple confession of sin which by the way brings healing or whether it's rest for your soul that you need either way Jesus is saying, do not hold on to that any longer. Do not bear that burden any longer. Do not hold on to that one more moment. Let it go. Release it. Because Jesus has already paid the price for it. to learn to walk in that freedom walk in that rest will you guys just stand with me as we go back into a, a song of worship and I'm going to ask you we've got two couples over here and they're ready to pray with you there's something you need prayer for. The Bible says this, to lay hands on the sick, to call the elders of the church, to lay hands on the sick and says they will be healed. And again, I, I believe it's more than just physical healing. I believe it's spiritual. I believe it's deep down within us. It's things that maybe we've packed so far that we may not even realize is there. But again, you do not have to hold on to that any longer. You can be free of it. Free of somebody who's hurt you. Free of somebody who's offended you. Free of your own guilt and shame. What is it? What is it that you can cast away? What is it that you can let go of today? Do you trust God? Do you trust Jesus? Because he wants to heal you. And he wants to heal you from within. As we go into this next worship song, I'm going to encourage you. If you need prayer this morning, please, please come. Don't be ashamed. Because there is nobody in this room who will judge because we've all been there and we're all still continuing on this journey of letting God heal us every single day every single day my prayer is God heal me heal me cleanse me cleanse my mind heal my heart cast my burdens on you let's go back in and let's Worship the Lord. Go ahead, Chris.